He was so Jewish, he said he was a Jew of Jews. We, I've kind of ha- talked to you guys about this before, but Paul, right, he was actually betrayed by his own race because when he became a Christian. So his own race said, you know, you're going to follow Christ? Do we hate you? Right? You know, they, they hated him just like they hated Christ. And it's the people of Israel, theirs is the adoption to the sonship, theirs is the divine glory, the covenant, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. They are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God overall forever praised. Amen. So right here, Paul is talking about, man, dude, they should know Jesus. They've heard about it. It's in their lineage. Jesus was a Jew. Jesus was a man just like us. Jesus was a man. They should know about him. And he's the only way to be saved. It's, it's clear to Paul. It's clear to Paul. But it not only is it clear to Paul, but it's burning in his heart. Everybody say burning. You ever wanted something so bad that it started burning you like you just can't wait? You check the mail every day. You wait, you wait for Amazon. Uh, maybe you, you shop online Black Friday to see it's on sale today. You're like, man, I need those new J's. You're like, I can't live without them. You ever wanted someone so bad? You're like, man, I wish that was my girl. I wish that was my boyfriend. I just want them so bad. It's burning in my heart. You know, you, you guys have had these desires. But what is, what is Paul's desire here? That the Jewish people would be saved. But you, missed, you, you guys might have missed something. He said that, for I could wish that myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people. That means, listen, Paul would trade his salvation for these people to be saved and to know Jesus. You think he was being, bri- he was being bribed? You think, you think Paul was like, hey, listen, if you bring friends, you get a pizza party? No, Paul was like, if, if you tell your friends about Jesus, you might get a cross to your face. You might get slapped in the face. You might get spit on. That was his reward here. But yeah, he said, listen, I am so desperate for them to be saved that I would trade very places with them. I'm saved right now, but I would be cut off from Christ to see them saved. You see, but many of you guys just don't care at all. Like this is a game to you. Like people's souls are not dying. Like people's souls aren't going to hell. The Bible commands us to snatch the souls from the fire. There's an actual fire, guys. There's an actual place where people go when they die. It's called hell. We've talked about it, you know about it, but it's a real place. It's so real that he was like, man, I don't want them to go there. I'm willing to trade places. And I'm not glorifying this man, Paul, but Paul understood because he had, what, the heart of Christ. You see, he he knew the heart of Jesus. You see, the heart of Jesus wasn't like, man, I'm just going to go to school. I'm going to do my extra programs. I'm going to try to be a rapper. I'm going to try to do this. All that stuff is crap. It don't matter if people are going to hell. Oh, man, I got a lot of friends. I got a lot of friends in my group where I'm at. But it doesn't matter if they go to hell. Literally, you're the worst friend ever if you never try to bring them to Jesus. You're worse than Hitler. You're worse than anyone that's ever lived if you're saying, I believe in this hell, this literal place where people go because they deny Jesus, but I'm not willing to tell people about Jesus. You are evil. You are evil. You are sick to the core. You have a place in hell as well. That's the truth. That's what the Bible teaches, that if you do not care, if you do not, what we, we, we've been talking about the one, if the one is almost nothing to you, if people that are in sin are nothing to you, you're worse than a sinner. That's what the Bible is teaching. 
That's what the Bible says. If you know the truth, and yet you still don't tell people the truth, what we learned about the watchman, the blood is going to be on your hands. The blood is going to be on your hands. And not only, not only am I trying to like frighten you guys to tell people about Jesus, but Jesus actually commanded us to do this. If we go to Matthew 28, please. See, Jesus, he didn't just say, man, get saved and and go to church and that's it, man. Do your thing at school. Listen, man, if you guys are in sports, you don't tell people about Jesus, you need to drop those sports. If you're in extra programs because you think it looks good in your college, listen, dude, and you're not telling people about Jesus, you need to get with it. You need to wake up. You need to wake up. That stuff does not matter. Wake up. This is real. You got family members that you live with and you haven't told them about Jesus. You haven't brought your cousins. You haven't brought your brothers. You haven't brought your sisters. You haven't preached the gospel to them. There's an issue. Either you're not believing or you're cold-hearted. You're cold-hearted. You see, because this is the last commandment Jesus gave. It wasn't, hey, man, just be a good person. Be super cool and make as many friends. You know, play soccer. You know, uh, just be awesome, as awesome as you can be. Focus on anything but this. Matter of fact, you can put this last. Matter of fact, this is not even that important. No. You see, no, that's, that's not what Jesus was teaching whatsoever. You see, he made this his main thing before he left. You see, the heart that Paul said where he was willing to trade places, that he was willing to be cut off from Christ, that was from the Holy Spirit. And it was not only from the Holy Spirit, but it's a command that Jesus told us to have. Not that we would want to go to hell, but we would want people desperately to be saved. Jesus said right here, uh, then Jesus came to them and all and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. How much authority has been given to Jesus? Where? Where? Is it just, is it just in church? Is it, is it just in your house? No, it's everywhere. It's in your school. It's in your classroom. It's in your mind. It's everywhere. Everywhere between heaven and earth, your body, everything is, belongs to Jesus. He has authority over everything. There's not one thing we own. You see, this is the, the, the Donald Trump. He belongs to Jesus. The government belongs to Jesus. Jesus is letting them do what they're doing right now, but then he's going to come back and, and then judge them for it. But everything, every authority, everything belongs to Jesus. So this is what the command that he says, because, listen, if, if, if I told you this, right, because this isn't me asking you to get people. This isn't me asking you to tell your friends about Jesus. This isn't me doing it. This isn't me. Listen, if it was up to me, I'd be like, man, dude, I'm, I, you know, I don't want to get persecuted either. I don't want to get yelled at either. I don't want to lose people either. I mean, if that's my authority, then, hey, man, you're good. No, this is Jesus himself. Jesus, with all authority, he is telling you something. You know when, when your mama tells you something, you know the authority she has, so you stop and listen. I was watching on YouTube a fight, and it was two guys. This dude was about to break his arm. Everyone was like, stop, stop, stop. The minute a woman came in, she said, stop. They all stopped and said, okay, okay, for sure. You understood that because she had authority. She had that mama authority. Well, here, mama authority don't match up to Jesus. You see, Jesus has the authority of heaven, earth, and everything in between with this statement. Therefore, go and make disciples of just a few people, of just your friends, of just maybe people that you like. No, he said of all nations. All nations, every skin color, every class, every race, it doesn't matter, all nations. You see, this is the issue because we're like, man, you know, I've been talking to my friend for, for four days trying to tell them about Jesus, and you're just, you're just like, man, I can't wait. I'm going to tell my friend about Jesus, you know, and then you're like, hey, man, uh, 
what you're doing here? You have a whole 10-minute conversation. You're like, you know, I just felt like, you know, telling you Jesus loves you. And your friend's like, uh, okay, all right. And that's your friend that you talk to every day. You know, you're just like, this is the guy Jesus wants me to reach. When Jesus is saying, no, I'm, talk- I'm calling you to the nations. I'm not just calling you to your friends. Listen, I, we, I don't know how much more clear I have to make it. It's not about you just going up to people you know and that you get comfortable with. Jesus commanded us to make disciples of all nations. Not just, not just telling them Jesus loves you. Not just being really cool with them. You got to make them disciples. And this isn't just for me. This isn't just for people working at a church. It's for you, Gio. It's for you, Seth. It's for you, Jonathan. It's for you, Josiah. It's for you, Noah. It ain't just for me. You see, I'm going to be judged by this, and so are you. How many disciples did you make in your life? That's what really matters. Not how many touchdowns did you score on a football team. Not how many times did you try to make it on SoundCloud. Not how many times that you, you did good in school in your grades. You think Jesus is going to whip up your grades and be like, hey, man, you got straight A's. You good with me. You didn't need to make a disciple. You were a smart dude. No. How many disciples did you make? You see, because this isn't just about bringing people to church. It's about going out there, teaching them, walking them along, praying for them, telling them about the gospel. It's about literally telling your life, this is your life, right? You can go to hell. You see, because your life literally matters nothing according to this commandment. Because what's your life compared to billions that are perishing? What's your life compared to the people that are perishing? Are you saying you rather, you rather, okay, this is, this is the importance scale, right? So just doing a bunch of sports and not telling anyone in your team about Jesus. Doing everything you can in school, too busy and preoccupied to follow Jesus' commandments. Or... You know, doing the most you can preaching the gospel so that people don't go to hell. Like, what's more important? I'm telling you, if I had a conversation with 10 of you, you'd think this is way more important. This just breaks the floor. That's how important it is. Where, where, where's the love for people? Where's the heart? Where's Paul's heart where he's saying, listen, I would rather go to hell than see them not know Jesus. Where is that? And some of you guys have had friends that have passed away, family members that passed away, and you're still not preaching the gospel. You're still not telling people about Jesus. It's like, what does Jesus have to do? Does he have to come back to earth, right, and judge the whole world and be like, told you so? Does he have to do that? No, dude. Listen, read the word. This is what it's saying, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them. Teaching them, literally teaching them, all of you are commanded to teach them to obey everything. When your friends are lusting, you got to teach them. If you're preaching to them and you're trying to make them a disciple, listen, don't do that. They might not like you. They might turn away from you. You might say, man, I'm not going to win a lot of people. Listen, dude, it, it, you got to make disciples. It's not a talking about like just bringing people to church. It doesn't matter if they're offended. Listen, if you're afraid to offend people, then, then you must be embarrassed of Jesus. Because Jesus offended everyone. Right now, this is, what, this is offensive. Because he's, this, this right here is the purpose of every Christian. Teaching them to obey everything. If you can go to the next one, I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You see, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what happened between, hey, man, I would rather trade my salvation for them to like, man, I'm just too busy for, for Jesus. I don't know when the Christian, the, the, uh, the definition of a Christian went from, man, dude, I would do anything to see people saved, to I don't got enough time. I see, I don't know what happened. When, when did that change happen? Was it, was it because, you know, your parents are Christian, your, your, your family's Christian? Oh, you know what, man, I'm saved by grace. I'm good. I just need to go to church. 
What happened to the real definition of a Christian, a disciple that follows Jesus, does whatever Jesus did, and lives like him and wants other people to live like him? That's the real definition of a Christian. And I'm not, I'm not, this is not a rebuke to all of you, but this is to spur you on. Don't you want to be like Christ? Don't you want to see people on the, day of ju- on the day of redemption when Jesus comes back and he shows you all the people you impacted? Don't you want to see that? You know, you're proud of all the medals and the trophies you get in your schools, but what is that when all of a sudden you see all the souls that Jesus used because of your testimony, because of your preaching? Doesn't that matter more to you? Isn't that real? Because that's eternity right there. I mean, get it, get it. You're in high school for how many years? Four years. If you're a demo, five, six years. But let's not do that, right? You're in high school for four years. You're in grammar school for a few more years, two more years. Why not go crazy for Jesus? Why not have the heart that Paul had? Why not actually take Jesus' commandment serious and go make disciples? Why not do that? What's stopping you? What is stopping you? What is limiting you from actually saying, you know what? Let me take Jesus serious and go make disciples. Maybe my life isn't that important. If you could find the verse in Philippians uh, and, and two verses around it, uh, to live is Christ, to die is gain. It slipped my mind. Philippians, it's in Philippians 1, though. See, this is what you guys have to understand This is not a joke. This is literally the purpose of your life. If you claim to be a Christian, your identity has changed. Your purpose has changed. Your lifestyle has changed. Listen, your job, that's good. You make money, you survive, right? But that is not the most important thing. Your school, you do good, you glorify God, but that is not the most important thing. You got friends, that's awesome. You got a click, great, man. So does everybody else in this world. You're nice, that's cool. How many disciples have you made? How many people have you taught to obey Jesus? How many people have you actually impacted for eternity? That's what actually matters. That's what actually matters. And I'm sorry to break it to you. If you feel offended, if you disagree, that's great. I hope God makes it clear to you that I am right because it's the word of God. See, in Philippians 2, it says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage to now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me, for, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is what? To live is what? To die is what? You see, it was very clear. It was black and white. It's black and white. Whether he is dead or whether he is alive, Christ is gain. Christ, to live is Christ, to die is gain. He has life in Jesus. What else matters? See, Paul wasn't thinking about what he can do in high school or how many, how much money he could make or how the job he could find and all these things aren't bad. Like, I'm not saying they're bad, but when you start to make excuses, when you start to be afraid because you might lose these things, that's when it becomes bad. That's when it becomes sin. When you start think, thinking your popularity and all the friends you have are worth more than the precious sacrifice of Jesus, the precious gospel. That's when it's wrong. That's when you've now become. In, that's when now when you you've come in sin. That's now when you put this first. You're a sinner. You need to repent. That's idolatry. The Bible has called that wrong for ages. We just committed differently than worshiping a cow. We do it differently. Our idol is our life and anything we can get in these 60 to 7 years. Our idol is our money. Our idol is our school. Our idol is our friends. We, we worship them. We praise them. If you can put up that picture, please. 
This is what you guys look like. I just want you guys to know this is what you look like when you're, when you're praising people at school, when you're praising celebrities. This is how many of you guys look like when you're worshiping celebrities, when you want to be like them, when you want to act like them. You just want to touch the garment of his, of his shirt so you can be healed, right? So you can just feel better. See, that's worship right there. They're worshiping this guy. But this is how you look. This is how many of you look when you worship entertainment, when you worship your school. You're just trying to touch its garment. And if you go to the next picture, this is how you do when you worship sports. A bunch of grown men crying. A bunch of grown men crying over a game. A game that doesn't even matter. A game that literally will not matter in 20 years, 10 years, 15 years. The Cubs won. Who cares? Literally, no one cares about that. People still die. Right? People still get shot. People still get killed. People still are suicidal. What happened? The Cubs won, though. Isn't the, isn't the world a better place? Listen, I'm, hard, I'm sorry to break it to you. Your soccer game, your football game, nothing, all that stuff is garbage. I'm going to be the first one to say it because you, all, you don't hear. Everyone's so proud of you. They're like, yes, you're so great. You're so awesome. And you might be good at that sport, but you're not making disciples there. It's garbage. It's trash. It's trash. Your music, trash. If you're not making disciples, this is how you look. We go back to the Philippians verse. And you think, you think, dude, I used to love basketball. I used to be addicted to it. It was my God. Derrick Rose was my Jesus. Hey, but, but what did that do for me? What did it do for the world? What did it do for eternity? Nothing. Nothing. To live is Christ. To die is gain. If that's not your lifestyle, that's not your motto, that's not what you live by then I don't know what you believe. I don't know what you believe. And this isn't meant to be a root. This is an encouragement because guess what? You could now break an ankle or tear an ACL in a sport. Your life isn't over. You got Christ. You could, you could lose all your friends and your family, but it doesn't matter. You have Christ. To live is Christ. To die is gain. You could lose your very life, and you would still have gain. But maybe, maybe, maybe... Right? Maybe, maybe we do believe in Jesus, right? but we're just not that crazy about him. You know, we're just not that radical. We just ain't that serious. Maybe you know, I'll crack my, my Bible open a little bit, and you know, I'll read the verse of the day here and there. But you know, I'm just not that serious about it. Let me, let me wait till I get older. Let me wait till I have more experience. I'm telling you right now, I don't know what lie you guys have been thinking, that I'm just supposed to go crazy for Jesus. That I'm just supposed to have the heart that Christ has for others or Lawrence's or TJ or Paul in the Bible or Ashley or Corinne. What are you guys thinking? You think Marco's the only one that has to be a teenager and Melody is the only one that has to be a teenager with Libni and all of them? The only high, the Christian club leaders? You think that's the only one people, the only people that have to be radical? You can just sit on the sideline? No, that's not how it is. You're deceiving yourself. You're lying to yourself. To live is what? To die is what? It's plain and simple. Really, the message that I had for you guys, I was going to tell the gospel. I was going to break it down. I was going to make it real simple so that people that came would understand it. I was going to tell them what I'm going to tell you after about how every knee will bow before Jesus. It doesn't matter if they served him or not. Every knee at the end of the day is going to bow and worship him. And then I was going to tell you how, listen, Jesus, he's the only one who can satisfy you. See, that's what I was going to tell you guys, but then I felt God speak to me and tell me that you guys are getting lax, that you guys are not actually 
doing the thing. You're not actually preaching. You're not actually caring about others. That the whole three weeks that I've been talking about how you have to care for the individual. God cares for the individual. The person that's walking by. Like, dude, God literally has convicted me. I'll be in the grocery store. I'll be walking past and I'll see someone. Little do I know that whole person has a soul. That whole person has a plan that God has for them to be saved. See, the only one that needs to catch up to understand that God's heart is me. That's the only thing. And it, listen, and this is convicting to me, but it has to be convicting to you. Listen, your friends, I can't save them. Neither can you. I can't even reach some of the people you can reach. Some of you guys have plans in your life that God wants to use you. He wants to take you guys overseas. He wants to take you to your school, start revival. Suicidal people will stop, stop having suicidal thoughts. Drugs will be taken out of school. Like, dude, you don't know the plans that God has. But yet you're too, you're too selfish, plain and simple. You're just too selfish. Your life means too much. To die ain't gain. To die means a lot. If I die, I lose everything. I lose my family. I lose my friends. I lose my money. I lose my J's. I lose everything. I don't want to serve Christ if it means losing that. But the whole time, you're just deceived. See, this is, this is, this how, this is what the enemy does. He makes you think you're good when you're not. He makes you think, hey, man, you know, as long as you do X, Y, and Z, right, instead of actually listening to God, instead of actually looking what God wants you to do, if you just keep coming to church, if you just keep maybe reading the verse of the day, you know, saying your prayers every night. We've talked about this before, but that's what the devil wants. He wants you to be comfortable. He wants you to think, hey, you're good on your deeds. You're good on what you're doing. But the whole time, you don't understand, grace is taking you somewhere else. Grace wants to spread. Grace wants to go to your friend, to his friend, to her friend. The Holy Spirit has no reserves. The Holy Spirit will command you to preach to your teacher. The Holy Spirit, listen, like I said, authority, Jesus has authority everywhere. I don't care what your, your teacher says, your school says. Jesus has authority in your school. Your friends, right? You're like, man, dude, if I tell them about Jesus, they may get offended. This person's Muslim. This person's gay. This person, dude, Jesus has authority. And he's already commanded you to go. So why are you still sitting down, you lazy Christian? Wake up. Wake up, lazy Christian. Wake up, backslidden. Jesus is waiting. He is ready to go. He is ready to save your friends and your family. The random kids, dude, he's ready to save everybody. Jesus didn't just die for your four no more. He died for your whole school. This is, this is an issue when we can't see that. Open your heart. Wait and see that God is, God is, not, God is not playing. Angels. What are you doing with your life? What are you doing? Nothing. Nothing. Nada. Not a dang thing. You could, you could try to be the president of the United States, right? How many of you guys can uh, list the seventh president of the United States? What's his name? What did he do? What did the seventh president of the United States do? Like, what, what, what did Clinton do, right? You guys probably think the president, man, is so important. What have they done? You don't even know about it. You'll be forgotten. Your achievements, your victories, your family, everything is going to be forgotten. Your life is nothing but dirt from the dust, the dust we came to the dust will return. Everything you've ever done is literally a breath when it comes to eternity. And yet we like to hold our breath. We're like, mm, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep the spores. <gasps> 
I'm going to keep my friends. I'm going to keep everything I have. Little do we know, when we die, so many regrets. All the people you probably have blood on. Like, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure God is going to show us, all of us, the blood that we have on our hands. How many people we let walk by. How many people we did not tell the, the gospel to. He's going to show us. He's going to show us. And you think, imagine the feeling of that. Knowing that that person you could have you preached to, that person could have been led to Christ. But now they're dead in hell. Yeah, they made their own choice. But what does the Bible say? If you reject it, if you deny telling them the gospel, the blood's on your hands. You have, you, are you ready to deal with that? Are you ready to face God, face him face to face? Face God, the one true God, the creator who has authority between, for, from the heavens to the earth. Are you ready to face him and tell him you were busy? I had better things to do. My life was too important. Are you ready to tell him that? Are you literally ready to tell the creator of the universe that face to face? Do you have that kind of courage? Do you have that kind of boldness? Do you have that much pride in you? I'm not ready to say that. I'm not ready to do that. If we can go to Philippians 2. This is the part of my message that I do want to share with you guys. Jesus is worthy. I don't want to be able to, I am trying, I, I'm not going to front, I am trying to persuade you to preach the gospel. Heck, dude, if I know that you guys are preaching the gospel, not that you guys depend on me, but if I know you are preaching the gospel and just people are rejecting you, I'm going to praise God. But I know a lot of you aren't. I know a lot of you aren't. And that is saddening. This is talking about Jesus. In the first half, it's talking about his humbling. You see, we all picture Jesus on the cross. We all picture him crucified. But we don't understand. We just had a sermon on Sunday about God's judgment. You see, this is the truth. This is what we are telling people to avoid. Because here's the thing. People aren't good. This is a lie. Just because, right, they, they're nice here and there don't mean they're not a sinner. God has enemies. People are enemies of God. Enemies of the cross. And just like every enemy, if there was someone who killed your family, you would expect justice. God is going to bring justice on the earth. This world is going to be made right. It's going to be turned right side up. The fallen will be lifted. Listen, this is the truth. It says, who being in very nature, talking about Jesus, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. To live as Christ, die as gain, nothing else matters. He had made himself nothing. Jesus made himself nothing. He saw his 33 years on this world as nothing. He made disciples. That's what Jesus was known for. He's not known for his carpentry. He's not known for what he did, uh, making chairs or whatever. He's known for making disciples. Humbling himself, actually dealing with, with people. Actually having conversations with individuals that he didn't, that, that did not know him, that were different than him, that hated him. He knew when they plotted to kill him and he still spoke to them. This is what Jesus did. That's humility. 
And by, ta- by doing this, by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. You see, it wasn't, it wasn't just man. Well, he's God. That's who God is. God's going to be perfect. He's going to be holy. He's going to be righteous. What am I? But little did you know, God literally grabbed man and became one with man. He was a man. Jesus did everything he did as a man. So he loved people as a man. He preached as a man. He healed as a man. There's no excuse for us. And that's why we are compared to Jesus, the perfect one, the righteous one, the holy one of God. That's why we're compared to him because he became a man and he was perfect, tempted with everything. Tempted to be selfish, tempted to care for himself. But yet he resisted temptation and he was a servant. And being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. And we know this. We all, we're all grateful for it. We're all thankful for it. We're appreciative of it. But let me, let me explain what else Jesus is going to do. You see, because we're all happy for that. But there's another thing I'm going to praise God for, his judgment. His judgment. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. The name above every name. Your name means nothing compared to this name. My name means nothing compared to this name. Your mom, her name means nothing. Your dad, her, his name means nothing. The president's name means nothing. The name above every name. And at this name, every knee will bow. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, everyone everyone. There's not going to be one knee. There's not going to be one proud knee. There's not going to be anyone. No one on this earth, not anyone in this room. If y'all could backslide right now, you're still going to bow down to Jesus. I could backslide right now. I'm still going to bow down to Jesus. It doesn't matter. Today, I did that on purpose. I wanted to see how many of y'all be willing to bow down in in a simple worship service. And many of you didn't. Pride. I'm not saying that the people that bow down are real humble at heart, but I'm telling you right now, all of you that did not bow down are probably dealing with pride. You got sore knees, forgive me, but you probably are in pride. And guess what? Listen, Jesus, he ain't going to, listen, grace has just ran up at this point. Grace is over. Mercy is over. And ain't going to be like, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. No. You worker of iniquity, be away from me. Depart from me. You see, it doesn't matter who it is. When you see Jesus, it's going to be like seeing a storm face to face. It's going to be like seeing a hurricane right here. The power, the explosion, everything, the, the majesty, the glory. It's not like Jesus is going to be like, yeah, you got to bow too. You got to bow too. No, you're just going to have to bow. It's going to be too much power. It's going to be too much glory. Jesus is God, and he's coming, and he's going to judge And it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, and in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see right here, I'm not even ashamed of this, that Jesus is literally going to come back and people are going to die. Jesus is going to come back and people are going to get justice. And here's the thing. It's not that Jesus is evil. Jesus died for them to understand. I love you. Don't be a sinner. Don't be wicked. Don't be evil. This is what evil does. The Bible says that he made a, a showcase. He, he basically made a show out of sin and darkness on the cross. 
He showed evil straight to its face. This is what you look like and this is who I am. We have no excuse. We have no excuse. So I'm telling you this right now, not to say that you're going to be on the bad side of things, but I'm telling you right now how many of your friends are. How many of your friends are going to come and this is going to be the first time they understand that Jesus is Lord. How many times, how many people are going to come now and they're going to they're be like, I can't even help it. I just have to get on my knees. And I, they just, I just have to see his glory. And it's going to be too late. They're going to acknowledge him as Lord too late. How many people? How many friends? And what's going to be your excuse? You're pro- what if you're hanging out with them? The Bible says there'll be one in a field working and with another one. One's going to be taken up. One's going to be left down. How many of you are going to be good with Jesus right next to your friend who's bad with Jesus? And then all of a sudden now, face to face, you see it and you're like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have told him. I wish I would have let him know that he needs this. He needs this. It's going to be too late. You see, every knee will bow and acknowledge. Every tongue would acknowledge the atheist, the Muslim, the, the, the homosexual that's been turned off to Christianity. Every, everyone, every enemy of the cross, every Christian, everyone will acknowledge, acknowledge with their knees to the ground, Jesus is Lord. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you think you are. It doesn't matter if you think you're somebody. Listen, you're really nobody compared to Jesus. We're nobodies. But yet God still saw, saw some type of worth in us. Really. Get this picture. You, you are literally dust. You are dust. We are dust. We are literally here for 40 years, 60 years. We are all going to die. And we think we're actually something. In 50 years People might know you. 60 years, probably not. 70 years, 80 years, 90 years, what about 1,000 years? Do you remember the guy going to church 1,000 years? No. Not even a thought. Not even a clue. Do you know your great, 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 great grandmother? Not even a clue. But yet we think we're somebody. I'm telling you, time will tell where you actually see you're really nobody. And yet this somebody, this great God, this mighty, powerful, all-loving creator decided to save us. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. But yet Jesus didn't care about your wisdom. He didn't care about what you thought. He still decided to humble himself and make himself nothing. So this is what I'm going to ask you guys to do. If Stephanie, you can come up, please. The encouragement is this. If we can go back to Matthew 28, 18, the Great Commission, and um, that verse I asked you to get. If we, the encouragement is this, is that you're not, this is not a bad, like, this is not a bad life. To live as Christ, to die as gain. This is not the life that all of a sudden you're like, you want to turn away from. Sure, many people are going to turn away from it. People are going to see it as a bad life. But here's the thing. If we can go to the last, uh, on verse 20, this is just a promise You see, this is the promise as you obey God, as you make disciples, is that surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That means that even to the end of it, to the very end, I am with you. I am with you. It doesn't matter what people are thinking. It doesn't matter how many things you had to give up. It doesn't matter that you had to quit your sport team. It doesn't matter that your parents mocked you. It doesn't matter. Nothing else matters at the end of the age. I'm with you. 
That's the best promise you could ever have is that Jesus will be with you. Listen, this is, this is not some kind of like, yeah, I got the rosary, yeah, Jesus is with me. This is literally the God of peace that transcends all understanding, will meet you wherever you're at. The God that you're able to give your worries and your burdens to, your cares to, he's there. The God who gives you power, the God who gives you boldness and courage. This is the God that will be with you to the very end of the age. And this is encouraging unless you're prideful, unless you're so filled with pride you don't even care. And I know some of you are, and it it sucks. It sucks that this literally means nothing to you. That literally what Jesus is saying means nothing to you. That's sad. That literally your friends going to hell are less important, is less important than watching Netflix all day. Like, you're willing to compare simple, stupid entertainment to preaching the gospel, to seeing your friends saved. I remember when Will first came to church, and I've actually, he's always, he's been on my mind this whole sermon series. TJ was so elated. TJ was so happy. But Will, I'm telling you, he was a hard case. That man was depressed, angry every week. And he'll tell you that to his face. But man, I'm telling you right now, there's no, listen, there's no more joy. Like in heaven. In heaven, there ain't nothing like a party in heaven when someone gets saved. But even here in Elevate, when we see your friends get saved, there's no more joy. There's nothing not a greater joy. When we see a youth who was, came, came here broken, hate, hurtful, hated, you know, everything, everything that you could think of, and all of a sudden, they're saved. And they're preaching the gospel. There's no greater joy. And I'm telling you right now, if you've ever seen your friend, ever seen your friend actually in, in, in be saved and you experience that. I know many of you haven't, but it's, it's, there's no greater joy. TJ got to see it with Will. Libney, Libney's had the chance to see it maybe uh, with one of her friends as well. But don't you guys want that? Don't you guys want that to see someone that you've been preaching to? all of a sudden give their life to Jesus, their whole eternity has been changed? If you want that, come up to the altar then. If you want to see your friends saved, if you want to see your school saved, if you want to see someone that you've been preaching to saved, you need to come up here. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for every single person you want saved right now. I want to see who wants to come up here. I want to see, unless y'all got no souls you want to see saved. Plain and simple, y'all scared to come to the altar and pray? Is that's, what, that's what's going on. We're going to pray for your friends right now. The Bible says to intercede, to pray, to stand in the gap. We're going to pray right now. I want everyone, everyone to come up that wants to see someone saved. Some of y'all do need to sit down, though, because y'all ain't even saved. Be real. So some of y'all coming up, y'all just going to mock around. And I'm, don't make me. If you don't sit down right now, I will call you out. I will call you out. I promise to the Lord right now, I will call you out that if you're just playing games and you're not praying, I will tell you to sit down going go in the foyer. This is for people that actually want to see people saved. Okay? So right now, if I can have all the deacons come up, we're going to pray. If I have all the deacons come up that aren't serving right now, I want you to join in with the youth one at a time and pray with them that their friends, that the people they see in their class, the dude they don't really talk to, they want to talk to about Jesus, that they be saved. Lord God, I pray right now, Lord, that this word impacted the hearts of all of us, God. I pray right now, Lord, that we would not be bystanders, 
that we would not be cold-hearted watching as people go to hell. But Lord, instead, we would snatch them from the fire in Jesus' name. That we would no longer be, be, uh, be cold-hearted to, to the truth that many people don't know your name. And, and as we walk by, they need to know you, Jesus. And you're calling us to preach to them, God. I rebuke right now timidity, God. I rebuke fear. I rebuke pride and selfishness, Lord. I pray that everyone here would understand, Lord. That to live is Christ and to die is gain. That you have appointed all of us to preach the gospel. You've called all of us to preach the gospel. Lord, I pray that we would do it then. That we would be obedient and we would, be enjo- we would, be re- we would rejoice with the fact that you are with us, God. Hallelujah. Show the leaders. Lay hands on them. Lay hands on them. Talk with them. Pray with them. Grab a group. Grab a group. Let's pray for our friends. Right now, I pray for my neighbors, God. I pray for, for my neighbor, Lord, the one who, uh, the two that are Catholic, Lord. I pray, God, that I would get a heart for them, that my heart would break for them, that I would no longer walk by them just like they're average people, but I would know and understand that you have a plan for them, God. I pray, Lord, for my friends that still reach out and that we still have conversations, God, that I would preach to them, that I would make them a disciple, that I would be patient, Lord. I pray for my family, my Theo Cano, Lord, my Theo Lewis. I pray, God, that I would, I would not think of my life as selfish, that I would not seek entertainment rather than their salvation, Lord. Break my heart for my family, Lord.